It's episode 37 of Parkrun Adventurers. I'm Mel and I'm joined by Scotty. Hi Mel. Hey Scotty. We got some more news this week because everybody loved the news last week. And guess what? Every week there's more news. This week, 2,483 people have registered with Parkrun Australia, taking the total registered runners to 363,046. Last Parkrun Day, 22,002 Parkrunners showed up for a free timed 5K. 3,644 of them ran personal bests, and 2,133 forgot their barcodes. At Parkrun HQ, between May 2015 and June 2016, the support team received 25,000 requests from runners and 5,000 requests from event teams. Adverse weather conditions continue to plague many events, with cancellations continuing. The inaugural events for both Yu Yang's and Mori Parkruns were cancelled last weekend amidst safety concerns. Both launches have been rescheduled to the 24th of September. On Monday, the 19th of September, the hit podcast with a cult following known as Parkrun Adventurers announced they would be extending the cutoff for submissions to their hotly contested Strava art competition. Contestants will now have until Sunday, the 25th of September to enter. The announcement came as a flurry of creative Strava activity exploded across social media with record numbers of parkrun adventurers submitting last-minute entries by the original deadline. Kurt Fernley continues to inspire the nation, winning a silver medal for the 42.2k distance at the large quadrennial international sporting event. This is Kurt's 13th medal across five large quadrennial international sporting events, including two marathon golds, one bronze and now a silver. The winter running season continues with many adventurers taking on a variety of distances at events other than parkrun on the weekend. In New South Wales, the Blackmore's Sydney Running Festival dominated the scene with 34,000 participants descending on the city, while in the Northern Territory, the Mitchell Street Mile took centre stage. In WA, adventurers were offered the chance to dance with the devil in the Devil's Lair Cape to Cape. And casualty rates are rising as a familiar menace returns to terrorise runners across the nation. Winged, diabolical beasts, commonly known as magpies, have returned to the skies, tormenting runners and cyclists alike. Avid parkrunner Deborah Mills was recently assaulted. Here's her story. I start trotting over to the playground to catch up with friends. Suddenly I feel I crunch on my head. I turned around, the crazy magpie is coming for me again. I fell to the ground and I'm screaming at the top of my voice. He's coming in again and again and I'm shaking like crazy running to a tree. I quickly call up my hubby, screaming for him to come and get me. Then the magpie flies into the tree that I am covering in and so I run to another tree. This experience was terrifying and made me realize that you have to always hide during magpie season or run with others at parkrun to protect you. True words, Deborah. True words. Magpies are a protected species in Australia. If you see them, do not approach. If you have witnessed or been a victim of a magpie attack, we urge you to contact www.magpiealert.com to register the attack and warn other runners. 
And so that's the news news. But is there any Mel's news from the weekend worth sharing? No Mel's news this week, I don't think, Scotty. What's the Scotty news? I had a party. I had a dress up in a party on Saturday, which was lots you of did. fun. You did! Yes! And costume? Details? Well, it was 80s. And the good thing about the 80s is that it gives you lots of variety. So at one point I was going as Larry Bird, but then that was pretty lame because people would just think I was going as a basketballer, even if I did put on a big fake moustache. So I ended up getting some leopard skin pants and a rocker t-shirt and some big hair. Oh, wow. You're painting quite the word picture there. (laughs) Leopard pants. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's something that so wasn't me. Like, I actually lived in the 80s. I was a kid, but I do remember it. And I was all Run DMC, LL Cool J in the 80s. I was far from Poison. Who who are the big hair bands? I don't even know them. Like Guns N' Roses? Yeah, or, yeah couldn't stand um, them. Okay. So it was fun to dress up as that. It just be <laughs> something that I completely wasn't. And run 5K. And the pants, I've got to say, women's, so they were, they were women's pants as well. <laughs> they were really comfortable. They, well, that's what we think. That's why we wear them. Yeah. And as opposed to wearing men's pants. <laughs> Men haven't picked up on this. We're practical. Women are making their pants for comfort. And I love them. <laughs> they were stretchy. They were leopard skin prints. So, like, were you able to run as fast as a cheetah? Not quite, because I had this big wig on. And as we all know, air does not escape through the wig. Hair is not aerodynamic. No. But the funny, also the funny thing is, so I ran at Pakenham, and it's an out and back. And so we had a nice tailwind going out, but then we had a really strong headwind coming back. But it was good, because I had the wind flowing through my hair. <laughs> this was also a new experience for me. I've never... I've never had that privilege before. <laughs> it's lovely when it lifts off the back of your neck, isn't it? Yeah, it really yep. de- does. Yeah, I loved it. <laughs> I was a bit scared the wig might actually come off. But oh, so many, so many images running through my mind right now. Lots of fun. The other thing is that my daughter is eight years old, and so we were concerned if we were going to find an outfit, an eighties outfit for an eight-year-old. But we came across this great tracksuit, matching tracksuit, you know, classic 80s, parachute, you know, hideous. But the problem is Kasha didn't like it at all because she actually wanted to look good. Aww. Did you tell her that nobody looked good in the 80s? (laughs) (laughs) Well, she kept trying to tell us what people wore in the 80s and she has no idea. (laughs) (laughs) What were some of her suggestions? She just wanted to look good. So she she found a little um, black dress and, no, she just was going for something that looked good. Okay. And trying to convince <laughs> us that that's what kids wore in the 80s. But And, okay, who who won this battle of the parent-child, what you're going to wear situation? Well, we made her. We made her because it just looked so good. So she may not have been happy, <laughs> but she looked cool. <laughs> And she took it off as soon as we got in the car to go home. Oh, but she kept it on that long. Yeah, she ran in it. Wow, what a good sport. I, did you bribe her with a lot of things? No, 
No, we're we're over the bribing stage. Oh, okay. So we're just in oh. the forcing stage now. <laughs> you guys win at parenting. Yeah, thanks. Well, she will appreciate it when she sees the photos in a few years' time. Or, you know, shows them to a psychiatrist. Yeah. <laughs> Creating memories, nightmares. So this was the first time you've run at Pakenham. So that's a new event for you on the board. What did you think of the course? You said it was an out and back, but what it, what's it like? Pakenham's a flat course, out and back, um, quite exposed, green. We run past two bridges, don't cross them. We were warned about magpies. We were told that it was clear of magpies the previous day, but that didn't mean that we were clear on the Saturday. But I was hoping my wig, my hair scared them off. Yeah, I'm not sure magpies would take on a leopard anyway. I was attacked on the Sunday though, so they, they didn't miss me over the weekend. Luckily this time I was standing still. They're out there. I'm seeing a lot of bloody pictures on Facebook, people's faces and their ears and it, there's carnage happening. Well, I've, I've, got a, I've had a broken rib courtesy of a magpie a few years ago. So I have a genuine fear of birds. The, the broken rib, was that, that was not caused by contact with the magpie. That was caused by you crashing or something like that because you were trying to duck from the magpie. Okay. Birds are scary, man. When they're coming at you. I have only ever been hit by a magpie once. I've been swooped a couple of times, but not not in recent years. And I was um, walking to school and I remember hearing a fluttering of wings and then bang in the side of my head. And I turned around to look behind me because I was dead certain someone had just thrown a bird at me. And I just, it, it took about 10 seconds to sink in that, oh no, wait a minute. I probably just got sweet by a magpie. <laughs> but the, the first thought that entered my mind was somebody was, had a bird in their hands and had thrown it at me. So it, it knocked the senses out fairly well. But yes, that, I think there, there's a popular theory that birds talk to each other. And if you're nice to birds, then they'll be nice to you and they'll leave you alone. And I haven't been swooped in very many years. And I am nice to birds and I talk to them. We've set up, we've got a magpie family in our front yard. We feed them. We give them shelter. Well, they're obviously not talking to their cousins. No. Maybe they're the black sheep of the family and they've been ostracised. Yeah, the word's (laughs) not spread. Anyway, take care out there, people. Only a couple more weeks to go to get through this. Unless, because it's been seasonally warm this year, they have two broods, in which case we're going to get a second round in October, November. Positive thoughts. (laughs) <laughs> a couple more weeks. We're very lucky to be joined this week by Vanessa Gibson, who is the event director at Sandgate Park Run and also one of the event organisers at the Sandgate Sunset Run. Ness, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here today and join you on their famous podcast. (laughs) Now, Ness, I understand Sandgate Park Run are going to have their 200th run this coming weekend. Have you got anything special planned for that? Well, I know that has really crept up on us and someone mentioned it to me a couple of weeks ago and I was like, 
what, really? I kind of hadn't really been um, keeping on top of that. So, yeah, to celebrate 200, it's a great milestone. We haven't really got anything planned um, specifically, but I know a few of our, our key loyal runners have some milestones this week. So there's a few, uh, few 50s and 100s being celebrated. So, you know, I think it's just going to be, as always, just a big celebration of fun and run and volunteers and, and community. So looking forward to it. You've done 200 runs, but you've recently changed the course. It's going to be a new experience for yeah. some people. Tell us about that. Yeah, that's right. We, um, after probably about three and a half years of our of our standard course that we had run, we um, had to change our course to a temporary course uh, recently when some pretty major path works were happening on our old course. So we, we switched it up and uh, what was pretty special about this new course is that it goes on the new Shorncliffe Pier, which the pier was only opened in Easter at Easter of this year um, after being closed for four years. Um, so it was a, bit, a big major kind of reconstruction project and, you know, it's a real jewel in the crown of our area. It's a beautiful landmark and something all the locals are really proud of. So now that the pier was reopened, when we sent our course in the opposite direction, we're very lucky to have just a beautiful big long bayside location so we just switched it around went the other way and our park run went instead onto the pier down the path and onto the pier and back again and uh, we did that temporarily while the council was carrying out the pathworks and then when that came to an end we kind of just had to do a bit of a reassessment of what's you know what is the safer course and what's most suitable for the number of runners we have which is we're a pretty big one we're up around the 300 350 mark most weeks so we're we're a fairly big event and uh you know we we had a really good talk and think about it and and decided that that course was actually safer and better for for our number of runners and so we've made that our new permanent course so it, it's really special run not that it wasn't before but but it's there's just something really unique about the pier and and about the new course and it's exciting because people who have been to our event before are kind of coming back and having a go at the new course and loving it just as much so yeah it's something pretty special that I hope lots of people can come and try out. I'm pretty keen to come and run out on your pier Ness. How, how long is it? How much of the course does it make up? Yeah, so the pier is 350 metres long, so it yeah it makes up 700 metres in total, um, so I guess not quite a fifth of the, of the run, um, but yeah, it is a fairly long pier um, as far as piers go, and it's the turnaround point too, so it's, it, yeah, it's an out and back course, and so yeah, it, it's just such a beautiful run to just, you know, run out there. You just feel like you're running on water some mornings and just, you know, with the sun peeking through the clouds, it's just picturesque and, yeah, just such a beautiful, beautiful run. And I do believe we, it is the only uh, pier run in Australia, park run, that is. Well, I haven't heard of any other ones and it sounds like absolute magic, so we'll definitely have to head out there soon, I think. Now, Ness, you've been involved with Parkrun for quite a while now. How did you first hear about it? Where did your Parkrun story start? Yeah, I was. Um, I started running about 
uh, four and a half years ago and it was I'd had two kids and you know as a lot of other mums in that that scenario you kind of have your kids and like oh just wanting to shift a little bit of weight um, post baby as well as have a have a bit of me time and so that's what running became to me so I, I started out um, a few years ago very short distances and you know pretty amateur runner um, and I had heard of Parkrun, but there were only a couple in Brisbane at that stage. And it was the closest one to me was New Farm, and that was a little bit far away. And so I didn't really make it out. But I'd heard that there were whispers of one starting up in Sandgate, and I thought that would just be perfect. And it was actually our local councillor who put the call out and said, we want to have a Parkrun here in Sandgate. Does anybody want to um, come and take part? And so I kind of emailed and, and said yes I'd just I'd love to see this happening in Sandgate so any way I can kind of help out would be great and of course Tim Oberg got back to me and said well why don't you start it up and um, I was a bit I was a bit freaked out really and a bit oh I don't know if I can do this and my kids were one and two at the time so fairly little um, but I thought, you know, I just want this for this area. And so my husband, Dean, and I decided to do it. And, um, you know, we started pretty small, like we'd get about 60, 70 people a week. And then it just grew and grew and word spread. And, you know, like, like a lot of other event directors, I think we just could never have imagined what we would get from it and from that community. And you just get back so much more than you ever put in. And so it is, it's just been the best thing, really. And, yeah, just haven't looked back. So we've, um, yeah, Parkrun has grown. We've just got this incredible community down here at Sandgate. It's a really unique kind of area. And, uh, yeah, I just couldn't really imagine being without Parkrun. Like, yeah, it's just, it's just such a staple in our week. And my kids are now five and six and come along every week and, and it's really cool to see them kind of in their own right now doing park runs sometimes with us or just taking part they've made their own friendships people know them like yeah it's just been a really a big part of their childhood which just makes me really proud yeah Vanessa you're also the organizer of one of Mel and I's favorite fun runs we did it together last year the sunset mm -hmm. run now, yeah. is this something that also was born out of Parkrun? Yeah, it was in a way. Um, I guess Dean and I were, I don't know, we were, we were kicking back one day and we thought, well, maybe organising a, a free 5K run every week isn't quite enough for us. Um, but <laughs> we were just down locally down in, in Sandgate one day and Dean was like, imagine having a fun run around this roundabout in the middle of Sandgate. Imagine shutting down the roads and, and running laps around the roundabout. We're like, yeah, that would be pretty cool. And um, it just kind of really grew from there and we thought, is this something that is actually viable would this work like is this something that could actually happen and we just kind of gathered a few people all from parkrun these are all people we met solely through sandgate parkrun we kind of assembled a bit of a team and and went through it and we're like do you think we could do this and we said let's give it a go so that was um in 2014 
And uh, so, yeah, the Sandgate Sunset Run was born. So it's, as you guys know, it's a two-hour team relay event around the Sandgate Roundabout. And uh, so it's pretty unique uh, in that it's a 250-metre course and it's teams of between two to two and four competitors. And uh, it's held at sunset at night time. So you've got the kind of night atmosphere and vibe. There's a bit of a community festival that goes with it. And uh, we've added along the way, this is the third year now and we've added a couple of kids events as well as this year for the first time a social relay so just one that's a bit less competitive just a bit a shorter race just something that's that's fun for people of all ages to take part in so it's just an event that has grown and really become part of this community and it's just fun like it's just a great night out so you know we love it when when people like you come from out of town especially and and take part and see see what's happening down here in um in little old sandgate so yeah it's something that we we spend a lot of time on and and put a lot of love into and um just really yeah just have a great time doing it i've got to admit vanessa that on paper running around 250 meter laps for two hours does not sound even remotely appealing but when we did it last year it it is literally the funnest event that I did at all running wise last year and it was just chaos and but organized chaos and everyone was having such a good time and and I love that you can change it up. Different teams have different strategies going in. You know, some of them do one lap each as fast as they possibly can. Others do two laps or four laps each and, and everything before they, they change the batons over. But yeah, it was it was just a crazy mess of fun and the night time with the lights and the flashing batons and the atmosphere of the crowds it was such a good time I can't wait I'm registered again to come back this year with a slightly different team how does it work with the new social relay that you're come you've brought in this year yeah, so the social relay is, so we've capped it at less teams than the open. So like part of the feedback has been it gets a little bit congested on the track um, and, you know, we have some pretty serious runners take part. For example, the, the team who has won for the past two years, won as in completed the most laps in the two-hour period, they have between them run almost a marathon. So when you in two hours, so when you think about the world record marathon holders, they they run just over two hours. These guys are running about forty k's in that two hour period. So like they go pretty hard, like yeah, which is pretty cool. They can just obviously take it in turns and sprint the whole way. But we want it to be something that the whole family can take part of. And you know, another really awesome thing about the run and so unique is that. Because it is a round roundabout, no one's ever left behind. No one's ever coming last. It's not like a five or a ten or a half where you think, I'm going to be the last one over the line. No one is ever last or behind or a long way away from anyone else. Everyone is right there in the precinct taking part, being cheered on by the, the amazing crowd that comes down. So. I love that about it. And the social relay really will will bring that even to the next level. It is, yeah, only 60 teams it's capped at, so only 60 people on the roundabout at any given time. And uh, 
it's for ages 12 and up because we also had some feedback that some parents and and teenage kids would have really loved to run in a team together and they didn't really have that opportunity uh, with the open relay being um, 16 plus. So we've got a, it's for 12 and up. So it means that, yeah, family groups, you know, um, school students can take part together and, yeah, it's just something that's just a lot of fun just a bit less competitive and we're really encouraging the dress up and creative team names so yeah people are getting really into it and and we love to see that now let's go back a couple of years when the first (laughs) parkrun australia podcast was kicking around with robo and russ (laughs) you also had a little bit to do with that as well you hosted a couple of episodes did you enjoy that experience Yes, yeah, I did do a little bit of co-hosting back in the day with, with Robbo and Russ, which, yeah, I loved doing and, and was a lot of fun. Um, I do have a professional background in radio, so it was kind of a natural um, progression, really, to be able to talk um, on that kind of forum and talk about running, you know, as you guys know, it's pretty awesome. So, um, yeah, no, it's something that, that, that was just, yeah, really fun to do. And no, I love, I love talking and I love talking about running. So win-win. Thanks for coming on the podcast. It's great to catch up about Sandgate. Always good things coming out of that event. So thanks for sharing them with the listeners. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you having me on and showcasing our beautiful run here in Sandgate and look forward to seeing both of you soon. It's time now to chat to a man who was involved with Parkrun before it was even called Parkrun. Welcome to the podcast, Danny Norman. Hi there. Hi there, Mal. Hi there, Scott. How are you doing? We're great. But this is true. You started when it was um, it was just called Time Trials. Is that correct? Yeah, there was only one. Uh, so August two thousand five, um, two thousand sorry, yeah, two thousand five. So yeah, that's just over eleven years ago. I celebrated my my Parkrun eleventh birthday, as you, as I like to call it, um, just last month. So Bushy Park, only one that existed. Um, BPTT, uh, the whole concept of time trials, plural wasn't even bandied around at that point it was just simply uh the one event with no ambitions beyond that so yeah i've been around for a while i guess and you've seen it change a lot I yes yeah absolutely massively and and there's many beauties to that in terms of watching it having grown from I must remember these figures. I think it was about 35 people in the run that I did at Bushy Park to obviously the 125, 150,000, I think it is now, isn't it, globally each week? Um, and to for it to do that and to uh, kind of envision that it would do that. I mean, some people say, oh, they, I, they never sort of saw it would do that. Um, I had faith that it did. Uh, I remember having conversations with, with Paul Sinton here in the early days saying the propensity, the, the, the possibilities of the expansion, um, just by looking at Google Maps in the early days as to how it could grow, how it could be. Um, it was, it was uh, for some people, it was pie in the sky, uh, pipe dreams, but uh, I thought it would be a reality. So to have genuinely watched it grow from what it was to what it is now has been fantastic and, and to fulfill that vision, as it were, um, and but just and the way it's done that with the hard work of so many people, the dedication, um, yeah, it's been 
awesome to watch. Danny, you've been involved in Parkrun through uh, several ways, one of which was <laughs> the the Parkrun show podcast which went for 186 episodes and you started that in 2011 you talk about the growth of parkrun there and at the heading of every show you would give the stats every week and I, I went back and I listened to the stats on your first week and there were 88 events 10,790 runners and 2,182 new registrants to the parkrun family that week but then you, you go forward to the very last episode and it was just insane. Globally, 549 events with 12 cancellations that week, 89,929 runners and 315 events just in the UK. It's, it's massive. What has it been like for you to, to experience watching that growth over the time? Yeah, well, it's interesting you mentioned statistics because even from that time, because the po- the podcast finished uh, what, eight, less than eighteen months ago, yeah. um, and in that time, the, the numbers that you stated just then they've almost pretty much doubled. Uh, a lot of that has come globally, and uh, so even then, because at the time <laughs> it became, uh, I guess, I became uh, infamous before when we when Parkrun always attained the figures and the numbers. It would be like, oh, benchmarks. 50,000, way celebration, 60,000 of new records. And it became, it wasn't a, a monotony. It was a case of, it was always fulfilling again what I thought it might become. And so when you attain, when it attained the 100,000 mark, we kind of wanted it to make it, it do before we finished the podcast. And, um, and of course, like I say, it, I say it's 150,000 now. Um, yeah, it's, um, to watch it grow like that, it is amazing. I mean, as to people are saying, oh, where will it plateau? I mean, it's nearly a thousand events, but I think it's got a long, long way to go. And um, but that was that's what I enjoyed with the podcast. It was always saying those numbers at the beginning and having that track record and, and kind of commentating on it through that period of time and uh, and having the numbers go up each time. It was it was never going down. It was never gonna go down. Um, and apart from during bad weather periods, if that, if that makes sense, but it'd always pretty much, uh, go up in waves and, uh, um, and it was the way that the, the kind of demographic changed. I mean, that's the biggest thing for me is from when I started, uh, for, for what the time trial was from primarily targeted, um, club runners to the very inclusive and the very, uh, family friendly, the, um, the, the, like I said, the inclusivity, the very everyone-oriented side of things. Um, it's been amazing. It's been absolutely amazing. And it's still growing in the, in the right way. Your involvement in the podcast, was that through being a fan of Parkrun? Or were you brought on staff at that point? Good question. So the reason why <laughs> I was brought on, so the way I kind of describe it was, I guess, ever since my very first park run. So when I, I finished the park run, uh, got my little Nokia phone out and I called my mum and I said, this is an amazing idea. I love it. It's fantastic. It's brilliant. It was my first official 5K uh, with a result, if that makes sense. I had I had never raced a 5K. It wasn't a race at the time. And it still wasn't a race, but meaning I hadn't done the 5K distance and officially got a result from it. Uh, and I really enjoyed it. But the, the aside from that, it was the, the fact that the uh, it felt so 
uh, something special about it. It really dawned on me. Anyway, but because of that, I became very interested in how it worked. So I basically got to know the systems and how it worked. I was interested about how the results um, uh, played out. But then I asked and got to know about PSH. And so I was always very much nosy and wanting to know certain things with Parkrun. And the reason how it then uh, expanded out to do the podcast, cut a very long story short, that I was um, uh, involved on the Bushy Parkrun committee, um, that I would uh, do various roles. But one of the chief roles that I would do, I'd do the Bushy Run report. And I would do the Bushy Run reports. And I remember at the time, the run reports that used to be uh, produced were, I guess you guys, well, you still see that as in the events, that the the results that come out, they are the um, copy and paste, one, two, three, one, two, three, age grading, one, two, three. Um, these are the stats, and, and they were plunked out there. And they were very boring, and nobody looked at them. And PSH um, tasked me with um, writing uh, the run reports and, and not really holding back. And so I, I used the opportunity to try and put a, a creative and in a spin on it but also make it that people read it who weren't at the event who weren't really park runners just make it an enjoyable read um and when i was doing this it panned out that uh, the person who was reading these uh, run reports up in leeds was your interview guest um which will be a couple of weeks ago was tom williams uh, the COO now of parkrun and um he would read the run reports and he would enjoy them so as it's uh, as it panned out um Tom had an idea to do a parkrun podcast. So I was always in his mind to do that. In terms of employment side of things, I wasn't employed at the time when I first started. Uh, the podcast did start in, um, I think, a couple of weeks after I left one of my previous jobs. Um, and then I became employed by parkrun a little while later. But it was never really an employment factor. I was never really solely employed to do the, the, the podcast. And so you did it for a number of years. You started out yep. with Tom and Martin. And then you added a mm -hmm. few co-hosts throughout the time. Yeah. Did you have fun? I did have fun. And so the reason why Martin and Tom were involved in the early days was it was their second venture. So Marathon Talk, they'd done and they'd established for a little while and they wanted to do the Parkrun podcast. But they wanted to make sure it was put out in the waters appropriately. And... Um, and because they had a bit more experience, and I was very, very nervous at the time, they guided me out into those podcast waters. And then bit by bit, um, Martin sort of uh, dropped off a little bit, and, and then Tom dropped off a little bit. And it was quite hard to do three people at the same time, we felt. Um, but also, with Parkrun being what it is, and that's very inclusive, having three guys at the time who were primarily... 16, 17, 18, 19 minute 5Kers, it didn't really encompass the broad range of park runners. And I was very aware of that, and all male. And so we had Nicola Forwards, who would engage with our, our podcast on social media in very creative ways. Um, she impressed me a lot. Um, it, I just felt it was right to bring a uh, lady in and sorry, a female in, I should say, because some people get offended by ladies, sorry. Um, bring a female <laughs> on board. <laughs> sorry. Who gets offended by lady? 
What's offensive about lady? <laughs> there isn't, but this is this is another thing which got brought up. I think it was Tom Williams. Again, I keep mentioning Tom Williams. I wasn't going to, but um, Tom, um, yeah, he mentioned the word lady. I think it was in a newsletter once, and people flipped out about it in a parkrun newsletter. I don't know. Derogatory, I, I, I think it's being chivalrous myself, but anyway. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, and so I brought Nicola in, and also Nicola wasn't very fast. Uh, admittedly, she she was very much a back of the packer, and she uh, and so we had this broader spectrum. We had this bookend of the range of abilities, and uh, she brought a lot to it. And it and it really gave a, um, a women would said at the time they said that having Nicola on board gave them something more to relate to. So Martin, Tom originally, and then Nicola, and then we expanded out to have a few more people. We had people who her, were engaged with the show a lot. We had people who were amb- ambassadors. Um, we had Dennis Brandrick who offered his services um, when I was going to take my first break. He did the editing for us, and again started to branch out and just give a bit more of a reflection of um, Parkrun as a whole by having the, these varieties of people from around the UK as well. And my next question is: Do you miss it? It's been going for eighteen months. Was a big part I of your knew life, you'd ask me that question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I knew you'd ask me that question. Um, and I had a pre-prepared answer in my head. Do I miss it? Yes and no. Um, it was a double-edged sword because I did enjoy it. It gave me creative clanch. It gave me extra purpose in going to the park runs that I would go and speak and meet with the event teams and I would then try and reflect their park run as best I could when I would do their... Um, reviews uh, of their locations and so yeah I, I really enjoyed that and now when I go to park runs I, I very much tour now I carried on the touring I'm a lot more anonymous and I enjoy that um, but how, going there with a sense of purpose and having people excited for you to be there for that particular podcast purpose that they were going to have their park run in lights as it were that I would give that to them and, and I enjoyed that and but at the same point it became very all-consuming just like with the employment uh, side of things it became very all-consuming and um i am very much a park runner at heart and to be able to go back to being a park runner as opposed to being there under a, a kind of official capacity um i don't mind i don't miss that and also with the growth of park run the pressure to keep the podcast short and also to try and uh, encompass and satisfy everybody's desire for the podcast to feature everything, it became impossible. I mean, as we've mentioned, 150,000 runners, uh, nearly 100,000 in the UK, people wanted you to talk about their event. It's impossible. Um, And every great thing that would happen, you'd be notified, and and the the weekends would be full of communication coming at you. And I'm sure you guys have this. It's very hard to spin the plates and keep everybody happy about featuring everything that people think that they feel that you should do. and so I don't miss that pressure. So, yeah, it's a give and take thing. I'm, I miss the fun side. I don't miss the pressure side of things. Being free of the podcast, Danny, you're obviously free to be a regular park runner now. Yeah. Is home still Bushy Park? You're asking me questions I knew you'd ask, and they're great questions. <laughs> um, I knew you'd ask these things. I should have told you beforehand before we started recording is to, you're going to ask me these questions, aren't you? Um, <laughs> home officially is still Bushy Park Run. Um, it is down on the system as Bushy Park Run, but I, I had a quick check, so I expect a lot of um, 
that people would do this. They would go through their stats and just double check these things. And I had a look, and I don't think I've been back to Bushy. Um, I've been to Bushy Park, of course, but not the park run since February this year, which is quite a long time, considering that I'd run there 222 times, or probably just over 200 before I started really going on the touring thing. Uh, to suddenly go be somewhere very regularly one week, to suddenly going, well, barely going there two, three, four times a year. Um, so having that familiarity uh, gone, lost from your weekly Saturday fix, um, it's strange, it's different. Um, when I do go back, when I still see the regular faces, the familiarity levels are still fun. I still uh, do a, a run in, on Wednesday night with regular park runners from Bushy Park um, at the Arethusa Mile, and so I get to see those people. So is Bushy Park Run still my home? Um, it will always be my home. Um, I will always feel it will be my home. It's where I was born into Parkrun. And at the same point, I barely do it enough. Uh, I do it at a service by not going there regularly. But I really like my touring at the moment. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. And no, it isn't in other ways. And I, and I do miss the, the uh, familiarity. So you've, you've become a true adventurer. That's... Um... That's exactly what yes. Mel and I are going through. We love our home event, yeah. but it's fun to adventure. Now, I'm going to ask you a question yeah. that I told you I was going to ask you. Uh -huh. After all these years, give us your top three park runs that you've run at. <laughs> and I can either sit on the fence or I, either I can give my opinion. <laughs> and I learned very early on to be very diplomatic and fence-sitting. Um, but I genuinely believe that. Okay, so I will try and answer this as fairly as I can. Um I can't just go bang, bang, bang. These are my top three. Um, the very cliche, the very saccharine sweet, all park runs are equal and, and fantastic and amazing, um, is fundamentally true. Um, because you can go to certain park runs and you can turn up in certain weeks and it'll be different to how it will be 51 other weeks of the year. Uh, that's why I stopped going to inaugurals because they became a big circus for me and I didn't feel like I, I got a true flavour of the event. So, <laughs> in light of all that, my three favourite, I've got my little post-it note attached to my laptop in front of me right now. Uh, this is really hard because at the same point, I know that people are going to listen to this and go, you didn't mention our park run, and of course I don't want to upset those guys either. Um, favourite park runs. <sighs> Cliché, it, it has to be bushy. I mean, it's the home, it's the cradle of park run. Like I said, I can always go back there. Um, there were times when I was very stressed out um, by for by working for Parkrun, um, I went through a little bit of a bad patch, and um, I went to Bushy, and I could go there, and I could go and just slip in anonymously, and see friendly faces, um, and I'll always have that. I can always go there, and I know that it's it is home, per se, for me for Parkrun. So I mean, I, Bushy has to be um, in the top three. Ellenbrook Fields Park Run, I have to mention, because um, that's my hometown in Hatfield in Hertfordshire, which is just north of London. My, I went there for the inaugural. I broke my inaugural rule. And having a park run there, I went and run there once. And like many people say, when they go and do a park run in uh, the place or town or park that they grew up in, it means a lot to them. So that would be in my top three. And my parents. My parents, who are extraordinarily devoted to me and my parkrun passion and they followed it every single step of the way they are volunteering pretty much every week there now and, um, and that means that means a lot to me because of that because i think they'll get a lot out of it 
my dad had a stroke a few weeks ago and they put a message out there publicly and they really cared for him and they look after my parents because uh, I don't get to see them very often. Um, I don't live massively near them and I know that they have a lovely community on their doorstep that will take great care of them and they, and they have done and they do do on Saturday mornings. So that has to be in my top three. Um, and my mum loves the volunteer. She absolutely adores the volunteering. Um, and then can I have, um, after this one, can I have a fourth one? Am I allowed to break the three parkrun rule? Go for it. Thank you very much. Okay, so <laughs> I have to mention Surbiton Junior Parkrun because uh, I'm the event director of that. I've been the event director for that for about 13 months now. And that brings and gives a lot to me now post-employment with Parkrun. Uh, you guys don't have Junior Parkrun yet, do you, in Australia? Not yet. Not yet, not yet, and I can't wait if and when you do get it because I, I know you guys will just take to it and you'll adore it just as much as we do over here. Um, and I really enjoy it. I really do enjoy it and being uh, being part of it. It's the junior side of things. It, it's, it's certainly a very different aspect to the the five Ks. So Serbiton Juniors has to be in my three, and my fourth one um, has to be. Just a couple of weeks ago, really, I went to do Mareccia Parkrun uh, in Rimini in Italy. And I haven't really been around to other countries as much as other people. So I've toured a lot in the UK, but I haven't done Australia, I haven't done New Zealand, I haven't done Denmark, Poland, America, all that. But I have done a couple of Italy runs and a French one and uh, Ireland, which is officially overseas. And um, that was why that was special to me was because it was beautiful. It was sunny, <laughs> as you'd expect in uh, the Mediterranean this time of the year, this side of the hemisphere. But it was amazing to go to somewhere which is miles away from Parkrun, but feel the Parkrun ideology had been so well transplanted into that location. And uh, it was just Parkrun with an Italian flavor. And the run director got Parkrun, if you can get Parkrun. Um, and it just felt brilliant that the 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 whole idea is so simple that it translates so brilliantly elsewhere i had also done Udatore park run in palermo in sicily and the same thing happened there but Moretti very recently is in um is in recent memory and that was very special i really really enjoyed it there's something about it that just made me so delighted about taking part let's just very quickly for our listeners put your top four into perspective, Danny. How many different park runs have you done? Of my 496 park runs, um, I have done 179 different. So that includes Bushy. So yeah, 179 different park runs. Okay. So those those top four, that's that's high praise when you've been to that many. Y- yeah. I <laughs> Yes, I guess so. I like to think of the other 175 to be only a percent just beneath it. They're all very much equal. Um, yeah, and generally, cause, because I can remember every one. Somebody asked me, I said, do you, rem- do you remember every one? So if I was to give a list, I couldn't rattle off 179 different name locations. But if somebody said, what about this park run? I could tell you a lot about it. I could tell you a lot about uh, the volunteer team. If I have spent time speaking, meeting them, I can remember the course. I can remember all the small elements about it. So that all of them are very memorable. But like you say, the, those four ones in particular, I guess, yeah, they, they kind of do stand above the rest purely from a, I think they're very much a personal thing to me, rather than being, oh, the most beautiful or the um, the most uh, scenic or uh, well, any other things or the toughest or fastest or slowest. Um, 
because you do get fantastically scenic ones. I mean, Fountains Abbey, I argue once that Fountains Abbey was not one of the most uh, beautiful ones, and, and it was and in the UK. But, um, but at the same point, there are, there are 800 other park runs that I haven't done. So, of course, I don't like to rank other park runs better than the others because I haven't experienced them yet. That's, it's a fairly common theme that when we ask people their top three, they give us sentimental reasons. It's it's the go-to answer. And, yeah, we would agree with you that, yeah, it's not about ranking one better than another. It's it's about that experience and that there's another level. It's an X factor almost. Yes, absolutely. So, Danny, you mentioned that you're pushing the Magic 500 have you got plans? For, yeah, have you got plans for where you're going to run that? Or are you just going to try and quietly slip it in without anyone noticing? No, I don't do things quietly when it comes to these milestones. So <laughs> um, this is when my ego comes out. I don't celebrate birthdays. I'm not a big fan of Christmas. Um, but when I feel like I've achieved something, then yeah, I'll try and do something a bit more about it. It's funny because. Um, I would have been on 500 by now had I been a bit more passionate about parkrun. I would have been well over 500 by now had I been a bit more passionate about the time trials in the early days. If you ever go look, go back and look at my athlete ID number 482 in the early days, I think I only did about 15 maybe uh, in the first year or so. And I really started to ramp it up a little bit after that. I was volunteering quite a bit. I was training a bit more seriously in my running at the time. Um, I've also... Uh, had one cat I've been at one cancellation I've DNF'd at three I didn't register my result once so when you come to these numbers and figures when you get to them it doesn't really tr- show the true reflection of your history with parkrun um but obviously officially when it comes up into the uh, the counts on on the website it means a lot so my 500th I do plan and I've been thinking about this for a long long time and um I plan to go to Bradford parkrun that's up north near Leeds in the UK. Um, the event director there is someone called Linda Bussy, 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 Bussy. That's what I used to call her on the podcast. Um, and she is a big cat fanatic like myself. And um, she, the reason why I'm going to Bradford is that she's been asking me for a long, long time. She used to listen to the podcast all the time. She's been asking me and asking me and asking me. And I've been promising and promising and promising. And I wanted to go up there. And I also wanted to make it a little bit more special in terms of that 500, as crazy as it may seem, is almost becoming, is going to become a lot more regular in the southwest London region. We already have had um, four people in front of me. The fifth one is coming in a couple of weeks uh, at Bushy. And so if I go to Bushy and do my one my one there, it's it's not quite as stand out. And I just wanted to make a bit of a, make it a bit of a special occasion for myself. And also I owe a lot to Linda um, in terms of uh, she um, also gave she basically donated money to help me get one of uh, um, get my cat Betty Boo, who was mentioned in the podcast a little while ago, who sadly died a few months ago from a very quick um, in. Uh, a disease unfortunately but she gave money to help bring her over um to uh, live with me for a while so yeah i owe it to her in many many ways again sentimentality uh, is the reason why i'm going to bradford sounds exciting congratulations danny it's a fantastic effort it's a great <laughs> story much. too um and there's no doubt you were the inspiration for the um, parkrun adventurers podcast um, i hope you'll see some similarities between how you did things and how we've done things Mm-hmm. So thanks yeah. for coming on. Okay. Wow. Well, I, I didn't. I didn't know that. To be honest with you, oh, that's that's very 
flattering. Um, thank you very much. Very humbling. And I'm glad to have been some, of some inspiration to you guys. As you heard earlier in the news, we've extended our Strava art contest. So you've got a few more days to get that in. We're going to announce the winner on next week's episode, 100% guaranteed. It's pretty exciting. We've had some amazing artwork submitted. I think we are going to have to do a photo book in the future, Scotty. Did I mention this last week? We should, we should do like a coffee table book of Strava art. Parkrun Adventurous Strava Art or something. Yeah, put that in the ideas vault. Maybe that could be our merch. <laughs> vault makes it sound like it's never going to come out. Um, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it won't. <laughs> Just like the leg warmers. Oh, everybody wants the leg warmers. They would have been very popular at the 80s. True. 80s event on the weekend. Now let's quickly wrap up social adventuring over the weekend. On Instagram, we had posts from Misspelt and Macalicious, who were having a go at our Strava Art Challenge. David D'Alessio was running a marathon. Well done, Dave. Sandy's, what is this? Sand- it's Sandy Shell's life. It's like a Sandy Shell. Sandy, Sandy Shell's life. Sandy's Shell. <laughs> <laughs> this is a hard one. Sandy, change your name. Sandy's Her name is Shell's Michelle. Life. Michelle, get- change your name. <laughs> Sandy's Shell's Life, Running Guy Ryan, Mac Girl 19, Dirty Cheaters, Simon Peking, Will B 1981, and Evans High all posted and tagged us from their Saturday park runs. And good old Nod Lightyear was doing some retail therapy and thought of us. Speaking of not light year, over to Facebook, Rowan Durant said, Perfect parkrun morning, spectators and all, noisy as. So I think he had a whole bunch of birds going on out there. I don't think there were magpies though. Simon Mackley, who was his 97th parkrun on the weekend. The next time he runs at Mossman will be his 100th on the 22nd of October. He can count his volunteering and parkrun adventuring in between. And Sally Heppleston had 18 months between PBs and she's thrilled beyond measure. So she must have got one on the weekend. So much hard work finally paying off, running less but running faster. This has been a goal for a long time and I'm pumped to have smashed it today. I'll give you a little preview into our Pearlustration results. We asked a question, how long between PBs? People are struggling to get PBs. Oh, really? There's lots of long time frames? Yeah. What do you think that says about our listeners? They're not trying hard enough. (laughs) No. I mean, they're probably more likely they've been at Parkrun for a long time. We've got the hardcore tuning in. Oh, they're not trying hard enough. (laughs) Or that. Alan Connolly. After an eight-hour drive to Sydney to pick up his wife, Kerry, and her friend, Lisa, from a cruise, his reward was some parkrun adventures to Sandon Point Parkrun. And it looked like they had a magic weekend down there. No flooding for Sandon Point. And Alison Webster added a few photos to Facebook of her Strava art. She was one of the many out there trying to do some last-minute artwork. And she said, this morning's run, hashtag all for a costume item. I do love that I'm motivating people to get out there 
with my random costume things. <laughs> not only just a costume. She's obviously not as excited about the certificate, the DVD, or the polo shirt. Well, there's going to be two DVDs. Yeah. I don't, I don't think she actually realised that she could get all four of those items just by winning. She thought it was multiple choice. Pick one. Yeah, maybe. Oh, no, all four. Unless, of course, you go for mystery option number P. Letter P, I should say. We'll be personally crushed if you do, but it could be an awesome prize. It could be. It's possible. Also alluded to in the news earlier, we had a couple of launches cancelled last weekend. So they get to do it all again this week. Or or try to do it again. They didn't do it the first time. No. Get to be all excited about launching again. So the Yu Yangs and Maury are launching this weekend. And are there places we can go for cake this weekend, Scotty? There are. Would you like what to know where? <laughs> yes, please. Ashgrove in Queensland. Anywhere near you? That's northern suburb of Brisbane, so probably take me about 50 minutes to get to Ashgrove. They're having their first. Barrel in New South Wales are having their second. Marimbula, also in New South Wales, their third. Tamworth. Guess what? New South Wales. Also in New South Wales, their second. And Toowoomba which is in Queensland. I'm having their third. For those wow. playing along. Yeah. Party on in New South Wales and Queensland this weekend. Victorians miss out on cake. So do South Australians, West Australians, Tasmanians, Northern Territory, Northern Territorians. <laughs> and Australian Capital Territorians also. Now, Scotty, last week we had the first ever educational podcast word of the week. Have you got a new one for us? I have. I'd never like to disappoint. So the word of this week is how I'm feeling a bit at the moment. Which is? I'm feeling a bit indolent. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. (laughs) My body is too. (laughs) I'm addicted to the life of pleasure. Addicted to a life of pleasure, huh? Feeling a bit lazy in my running. I should have got out a bit more during the week just didn't so I was indolent well thank you for that educational moment I think this means we can file our podcast under an educational podcast nowadays so I hope the rest of my week is energetic and industrious and you too Mel I'm glad you hope the rest of my week is energetic and industrious, Scotty. Thank you. That's that's very nice of you. Good. It's all going to lead up to a massive episode 38 next week. 